Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Today, though, we are continuing with everyday wisdom, these, this wisdom that comes from the book of Proverbs. And, and I want to speak about the power of our words today for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's incredibly important for all of us, but I also think it's a good thing for graduates to hear as they are launching into this new season of life. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. And do you guys know about the study that, that says about how many words we speak on average in a day? Does anybody, has anybody heard that story? There was a, a study back in the 90s that suggested that women speak like three times more than men. By the way, that study was proven false. Uh, they said it was like 20,000 words for a woman to 7,000 words for a man. It's, in 2004 and 2007, they did other studies that actually showed that we all speak about the same amount of words, which is almost like 16,000 on average per day, which means that what Solomon has to say to us about the power of language, the power of words, is incredibly important for everyone. In fact, Solomon in the book of Proverbs, he he talks about the power of words over 90 times. 31 chapters, he talks about it over 90 times. So this is is something that I I think is really important for us to think about. This is our core verse right here. It's going to be Proverbs 18.21. And it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, here's, here's what I want you to do with me today so that we can all be together. I want you to look to your neighbor. It might be a friend or a spouse or even a stranger. But I want you to look at them and I want you to say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Go ahead and do it. This, is, this group is nailing it over here, by the way. I don't know. This, you seem a little bit quiet. I want to hear the words. I'm just kidding. Okay. Now here's, I want you to do something else. I want you to do something else. I want you to stick out your tongue for a second. Everyone do this to me. Mm, Yep. Now touch your tongue, feel it. Notice how small it is, right? Oh, this is great. You guys are actually doing this. This is so fantastic. Now what I want you to do it. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it is important for us to think about this. Like our tongue is small, right? But it has the power of death and life in it. Here, now, I really do want you to do this. So stick out your tongue again. Hold it. And I want you to say, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're never going to forget this moment. And and that's why I, I wanted to do this. Because this is such an important thing for us to understand. That that. In this thing, this small part of our body is incredible power. In fact, I'm pretty sure that you can remember a time in your life when words uh, like were spoken to you that, that were um, so good and so fulfilling. And, and it's, it's this, these memories that we have are often you know, uh, wrapped around the, the words that were spoken to us. Maybe it was uh, a recognition or an award or you know, just something that someone, a teacher, a pastor, a parent, or a friend said to you, and you can remember those memories and the words that they said, right? Words are powerful. 
I'm also sure that you're probably like me, and some of your worst memories are focused on what someone had said to you. Words that hurt, words that broke you, words, words that, quite frankly, you wish that you could forget. Words are powerful, and, and, and if we can simply change the things that we say, how we speak, then we would have the power to bring life to our relationships, power to bring life to our church, to our community, to our neighborhood, to our families. If we'd simply learn to speak how God speaks, how Jesus speaks, then we have the power to bring life to all of those places. After all, it was words that brought about all of creation, right? If we go back to the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis 1-3 then says, and then God spoke. Verse 3, and God said. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 11, and God said. And on and on and on. God speaks and things are created. God speaks and things happen. It's because of words. In the New Testament... We look at the life of Jesus and we, we see about his miracles. And we, what we see is that when he speaks, miracles happen, right? He speaks and, and the lame walk. He speaks and the leper is healed. He speaks and the storms are stopped. He speaks and the dead are raised. With the exception of just an occasional healing with spit and mud. Gross, Jesus. Why did you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got a clap over there. Right? Jesus used words to recreate, words to heal. Even our salvation, it's, it's all about words. If we think back to Abraham, it, we, we learn about his belief because Abraham believed in the word of God and thereby he received the strength into his 99-year-old sterile body to start a family, to impregnate his wife, Sarah. I, I don't know how that went, I can't imagine what it was like, but, you know, I always kind of picture this, like Abraham walking up to Sarah, and he's like, all right, babe, put your dentures in. We're going to start a family. Like, they were old. Miracle is my point. It's by believing the words of the gospel, too, that we ourselves are saved. The gospel comes to us as an announcement as words about Jesus, that, that he is Lord and he's accomplished everything that we need in order to experience forgiveness, to experience eternal life. If we would just believe in those words, then we'd be saved. The point is, God's words have power. They bring life. And in the same way, because we are created in the image of God, Solomon tells us that we, too, can speak words of life. In essence, what I'm saying is, if we learn to speak like God, if we learn to speak like Jesus, then we, then we will speak words that bring life to the people around us. There's this interesting story in the Gospel of John about Jesus. And um, this is a moment when the Pharisees are trying to have Jesus arrested so that they can um, basically do away with him. But in, in John chapter 7, verses 45 and 46, uh, listen to this story. It's so uh, fantastic about the words that Jesus speaks. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, 
No one ever spoke like this man. There was something different about the words of Jesus that set him apart from all other people. And I think, I think John 1.17 gives us a little bit of understanding about this. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth were in his words. And this is where we're going to focus today. We're going we're to talk about how we can speak with truth and with grace. Life-giving words, they always begin with truth. So we're going to start here. And, I, and I'm sure that you understand this too, that oftentimes when we speak words of truth, they can be painful, they can be hard. And, and Solomon writes about this in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. He says that better is open rebuke than hidden love. Rebuke is that sharp disapproval that we have when someone's doing something wrong and we point it out to them. It, and, and Solomon is saying, it's better to openly disapprove of someone than to love them and not show it. So be, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. See, true words, they may not seem like the ones that bring life um, because often they're difficult to say. Very few people enjoy having those hard conversations with people when we, when we have to speak that painful truth to them. But if you're a friend, as Solomon says, you will do it. When you see something that's destroying a friend or a family member, and you, you want to eradicate it from their lives. And, and, you know, if we personify evil... And we think about it as a big man in an alley that is, you know, got a weapon or something that's running after our friend. We would do anything to prevent them from getting hurt by that person, right? You know, we would kick, scream, yell, punch, run, and in order to, to save them from that enemy. But when it comes to sitting them down and having a difficult conversation, oftentimes we choose not to because we, we think we're opting for the peaceful Thing, But the reality is we're not being their friend or someone who loves them. We're acting more like an enemy. It's hard. Often we're, we're so afraid that uh, our friend or a family member will resent us for the, the, hard, the hard things that we have to say, the hard truth. We're afraid that, that we'll hurt the relationship. And so we opt for something that we think is peace. But really what we're, what we're doing, instead of saying, I care about you this much to tell you this truth about what's going on in your life. What we're ultimately saying is, I care more about myself and not feeling awkward or having to do this really difficult thing about telling you the truth. It's a selfish thing when we withhold true words from people. With relationships, speaking the truth is the most loving thing that we can do. And I, I know it can be very hard, but it is important because when we neglect to tell the truth, that's much more devastating to the people that we love and care about. Um, I'm a fan of Penn and Teller. Anybody else? like the, the, the comedy magical duo Penn and Teller, right? For those of you who don't know, uh, Penn is the one that speaks a lot and Teller's quiet and they do magic and they're really funny. Well, um, Penn Jillette, he has an interesting history and, and he's an atheist. He's very vocal about the fact that he doesn't believe in God. But it's interesting to listen to him talk about Christians. And I really like what he has to say. Let me, let me quote Penn Jillette for a moment because I think this is important for us to understand. He speaks so clearly about speaking words of truth. Penn Jillette, he says this, 
I've always said that I don't respect people who proselytize. That's to share their faith. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate that person to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them about it? He goes on and he says, I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe the truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I would tackle you. And this eternal life is more important than that. See, I think Pendulette understands what Solomon is saying in, in Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. And he's challenging Christians about what it means to be honest about what matters the most to us. If we want to speak like God, if we want to speak like Jesus, then we have to speak the truth, even when it's painful or awkward or difficult. And I know that there's another side to this. I know that there are Christians out there that enjoy speaking the truth all the time. You know, I know Christians that enjoy speaking the truth, especially when it's painful. <laughs> do you guys know someone like that? None of you in here, I know. They're, they're at different churches this morning. I'm just kidding. I, I'm saying that to the camera that's on the Facebook live feed. We're all together in this. But uh, let, me, let me move on. Here's the thing, though. When we have to speak words of truth, there, it is important for us to do it with an amount of grace. This is how Jesus did it, that he spoke words of truth gracefully gently. In fact, um, Proverbs 15:4 says, "A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit." Now that word gentle there, it, it means healing in Hebrew. So a gentle tongue, a healing tongue, a graceful tongue is a tree of life. This, this tree of life, it's an ancient biblical imagery that brings us right back to the Garden of Eden when man and woman was walking with God, when there was no suffering, no pain, no tears, no death. It also is a, a reference, well, Solomon wasn't making the reference, but it calls us to Revelation 22 when John writes about when everything is recreated, when there's a new Jerusalem and a new earth and a new Eden, and right in the middle is the tree of life. In that place where there is, once again, no more suffering, no tears, no pain, ultimate healing for those who believe in Jesus Christ. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. This is what it means to have the power of life in our mouths. See, the goal of speaking truth, it should be to heal, not to hurt. But when we speak truth without grace, ultimately what we're doing is we're hurting others. And the Bible calls this cursing our brothers and sisters. And a lot of people, I think, get cursing and cussing mixed up. You guys know what I'm talking about? Cursing means to condemn a person, that you're cutting them down. And I think there's a lot of Christians who believe that they shouldn't cuss, that they, they've got to watch the words that come out of their mouth. But with all, without saying any unacceptable words, they curse people all the time. Here's what I mean. I'm from Texas. How many of y'all know that I'm from Texas? Just, just so you know, I want to be clear about this. I want to be clear about this. Um, when you are from Texas, 
you have a quota every single day that you have to let people know about your heritage. So I'm, I'm just fulfilling that right now. <laughs> hey, I'm from Texas, everybody. Okay. Anyway, um, in Texas and in the South in general, uh, we have a way of talking uh, that I think is a perfect example of this. And, and you probably heard it somewhere. Maybe um, you've heard someone say it to you or to someone else that you're with. And um, if you ever hear someone from the South say this phrase, oh, bless your heart. Anybody? Anybody ever had that said to them? I want to see hands clearly. Okay, whoa. Let me tell you. <laughs> I just saw something I'm not going to call out. Oh. For those of you <laughs> For those of you who don't know what oh bless your heart means, it what that person is saying is you are an idiot. It's a curse. It's not a blessing. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a kind way to try and, you know, say something that's difficult. Maybe it's true, but words like that, they're not helping and they're not healing. Uh, an example that might hit closer home to, to probably all of us. A way that people often will speak truth, uh, but not use grace. It's gossip. Right? Almost without exception, when we talk negatively about someone to another person, we're not doing it to restore or to heal, but instead to tear down. It may be truth, but it's not healing. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Now, and of course, there are times when we have to share something negative about another person to someone else. But in those cases, it's important for us. It's important for us to understand what our heart motivation is. Is it love? Will there be clear benefit to the people that I'm saying this to? For instance, if myself or Ross were going to hire someone to quest to work here at Quest, and, and um, uh, you knew something about that person that would disqualify them from this job, we would want you to let us know about it because it's a benefit to the church. But we would also hope that as you're sharing that, that you're doing it because you know that it's important, that it's a blessing to the church, that you're protecting the church. Your motivation is right. It's kind of like um, when a parent has to have a difficult conversation with a teacher about their child, you know, and the parent has to sit down and, and say some, I mean, hard things about, like, the way that their child is acting, and, and, and hopefully the teacher can help in that process of making them better. As parents, we share those things because we know it's going to benefit the child. It doesn't feel good. We, we might even feel shame about it. But we know it's important. If you enjoy saying something negative, it's probably not being shared with grace. It's probably not restorative. And I, I want to take a moment just to address criticism as well. And at Quest, we are very 
open to feedback. We want to hear from you about the things that you're experiencing here at the church, ways that you may be being blessed. We want to hear those stories, ways that you think that we might improve your experience, the the opportunities that you have to encounter God. We think it's important to have that kind of open and honest feedback because it helps us to grow and to become a better community of believers. So we, we we are very open to your feedback. We, we think that's important, but sometimes, sometimes in our lives, we have people who speak criticism all the time. In fact, there are people who only talk to us when they have something negative to say. And I'm not, I'm not saying this necessarily about Quest. I'm saying this specific to, to all of us, right? That, that there are people who, who, who are just constantly negative to us. In fact, I think this is what makes... Uh, the comment sections of internet news articles so much fun to read. This is true. I, I actually I have a game. I, I read a lot of news articles um, on the internet. And I have a game that I play. Like the first thing that I think of that's really negative to write in the comment section, I'll, I'll like withhold it. I won't write it down. But then I'll go read through the comments to see how long it takes someone else to make the same statement. And uh, it's interesting. I've, I've learned a lot of um, about myself from doing this. First of all, I don't have very many original thoughts. Like, <laughs> everyone seems to think the same things that I think. And oftentimes, like, multiple people have the same thought, <laughs> okay? In fact, this week I was reading this article. Did anybody else see this article? Florida City warns residents of power outage because of zombies. <laughs> oh, gosh. My first thought as I'm reading this was, well, of course, it's Florida. I mean, like, it's crazy there. And um, so I, I withheld my comment. I didn't type it into um, 10 TV's news website because I don't want them to know that I think that. But I, I went down the comment section, and this is what I got. This was only like four comments in to the, to the article. It's Florida. I'm not surprised at all. Like, thanks, you said it for me. And then three more people. The second one is my favorite. Newsflash, don't move to Florida. They so extra. <laughs> oh, gosh. The last one's good, too. Every article about Florida is freaking weird. (laughs) So true, though. I mean, good night, Florida. If you're watching online and you live in Florida, God bless you. Sometimes, though, I wish, I wish that Solomon could moderate comment sections online. Like, I, I really do. Uh, here's why. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I, I, think, I think a lot of times we assume the strengths of people, but we, we notice the weaknesses, do you, do you know what I mean by that? Like, like we, 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 we think, of course, people have a lot of strengths, but we talk about all the things that are weak in them. We shine a spotlight on those weaknesses. I think it's important for us instead to reverse those things. For us to assume the weaknesses in people because we know that we are all broken. We know that we are going to let others down. We know that it's just part of who we are. We're not perfect. So let's assume those things and let them go unsaid. But instead, highlight the strengths that we see in the people around us. 
shine a spotlight on those things that people are doing that are so good and wonderful. Let's speak that life into people's lives. When we highlight, when we say those negative things all the time and never really talk about the things that are good in someone's lives, what we do is we we don't build up the kind of trust in relationship that we need to be building up. And I call this, um, it's like a relational bank account that we have with people. Sometimes we might have the right motivation of heart. We might be speaking the truth and we might even speak it with grace. But because people haven't heard us build them up or encourage them or talk about the good things that we see in their life, when we bring that word of truth, that can be painful. When we bring it to them, they may not receive it and thereby they are not restored by it. Even though our words are soft and graceful, they feel like a sword thrust. They seem rash because... We haven't had any other words of encouragement to go along with them. You hear what I'm saying, right? If I were to come to you and, and to, to speak a word of hard truth, but I say it in love and grace, you may not receive it well if those are the first words I've ever said to you. But instead, if all along in our relationship, I've been seeing the good things in your life and I call them out, man, I really think you're parenting your children well. Well, of course, it's, it's obvious why you're so successful at your job, because you're a hard worker. You're doing a great job. Well, I really love the way that you handled that situation. It, it, I've learned so much from watching you deal with other people. You have so much to teach us. If I were to say those kinds of words to you and then speak some hard truth, you're probably going to receive it much better, and it has more power of life. It's kind of like the parent of the little leaguer. I, I have a, a kid who plays um, t-ball and um, our children, when, when they're playing, when they're playing ball and they're learning how to do all of the stuff that's a part of the game, right? Oftentimes we want to correct them. We want it, We want them to do their very best. And so we want to correct them, but all along we need to be telling them how much we love watching them play. How fun it is for us to watch them enjoy themselves. We need to highlight the things that they're doing really well so that when we do have a corrective word, they can receive it and they can grow from it. See, our job is to build up relationships so that when we do speak a word of rebuke, the person receiving it knows that we are for them, that we accept them in spite of this thing that's happening in their life that we, we approve of them and that we love them. That way our words become like ones that give life, that heal, that sound like the words that come from God. Whenever you say something negative, before you do it, you should clarify within your heart a couple of things. You need to think about who is benefiting from those words. Are you saying it because it makes you feel good? Or are you saying it because you know it's going to build up that person? Right? We, we need to discern if we're saying something that, that makes, allows us to put someone else in their place. That makes, makes us feel better about ourselves because of where they now are. Or, or are we saying it because we want to make them a better person by showing them that truth? And, and I suspect that for many of us, 
Like the answer to those questions of, are we doing this out of the right reasons or is it out of the wrong reasons? I think most of us would probably say, yes, and it's both. A lot of times we, we would say, yeah, yeah, some, I'm saying this for the right reason, but I'm also, there's a part of it. And I would, I would encourage us whenever we're in that moment, and we're truly discerning how we're going to speak this truth to someone else. When we're in that moment, we might just push pause on the conversation until that retribution impulse is out of our hearts. And we're only speaking that truth to restore the person. And anyway, this morning, I, I hope these words um, aren't a burden for you. I, I hope that there's something that, that we can use to grow in, to develop ourselves, to mature ourselves, to become closer to God. And, and I think the reason that we should ever use our words uh, in someone else's life is to draw them closer to God. But I think for us to, to be able to do that, we have to be people who know the words that God speaks to us first. I think the best way for us to practice this, the best way for us to get good at this, the best way to use our tongues, to wield them with, for the power of life, is to know the things that God says to us. Because here's the, here's the truth. The enemy is always trying to lie to us to hurl insults at us, to tear us down, to break us apart. And when we hear those lies, we need to cover them with the words of God that are truths about our lives. When we hear words like, we can't do it, we're not good enough, that's a lie from the enemy that's meant to hurt us. And and here's how I want to close today. I want to speak some truth over you. Actually, these are the words of God that are spoken over you. But I I want to reorient the way that you hear words so that you can leave this place speaking the words of God instead. So whenever you hear that you're not good enough, know this. God says that I am with you to the ends of the age. I am your refuge and your strength. Matthew 28, 20 and Psalm 46, 1 through 3. When we hear that we are a failure or that we are worthless, God says that we are chosen, that we are more than conquerors, Romans 8, 29, and 31. When we hear that we don't have what it takes, God says, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. We have all that we need because of the glorious riches that come through Christ Jesus. Genesis twenty two fourteen and Philippians four nineteen. When we hear that we are nothing special, that we're ordinary, that we're throwaways, God says, no, you are God's workmanship. You are created for a purpose. Ephesians two ten. When we hear that we are not good enough for God, that we're broken, that we're used up, that we're damaged goods, God says, you are a new creation, washed in Jesus' blood and filled with his power. 2 Corinthians 5.17. See, God's words for us are encouraging. God's words for us bring life. They establish purpose. And when they become our identity, then we can turn those words around and speak them to other people. We can bring the power of life into their lives. We speak the same kind of graceful truth to those people around us that God speaks to us, but we have to have it in our hearts. It has to be part of who we are. So I want to encourage you, church, take these words of God that he's given to us right at our fingertips. Consume them 
Read them. Memorize them. Let them become part of who you are. Let them become your identity, Christian. So that you can speak these same words of truth and life and grace and mercy and love and kindness to the people that you know. Let us wield our tongues wisely. Let us be people who bring the power of the tongue, power of life to the people around us. Let's pray, church. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your words, for the story that you've written, for the purpose that you give us. We thank you that you give us a new identity in Christ Jesus. And I pray that we would be able to speak that truth to the people around us, that we might be able to heal others in the same way that you healed us through your words. God, we thank you for all the work that you're doing in us. We thank you that you give us the same power that you have. We pray in the name of Jesus that we would use that power to bless others, to build them up, to restore them, to encourage them. God, I pray that you would transform us from the inside out. You would take that brokenness that we have and that you would heal it. You would correct it. Though it's sometimes painful, we would receive that truth. And we would allow your power of life to work inside of us. So come, Holy Spirit, work in us so that we can be used by you to bring the power of life to the people around us. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.